APIs are yeah, sort of the, the heart and soul of an ecosystem. Is that we roll out certain functionalities in a beta fashion so we can also road test them a little bit. That one of the most important aspects of designing a good API is understanding how consumers work. Because again, uh, not all retailers are uh, created equal. We get lots of compliments from external parties and, and especially from larger integrators. Uh, to, to have a high level of predictability across the API. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Welcome back uh, to the Tech Lab podcast. Early April, the latest version of our uh, retailer API was launched. Now, given the importance of the API for uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, of thousands of our partners, and of course, APIs are yeah, a major part of a serious uh, platform. Uh, they, they enable growth, they enable stability. So yeah, that's for us. Uh, that was the cue to uh, also start an episode on the retailer API. And uh, here we are. Yes, yes, and I always, uh, if you talk about importance, I always remember the the the, the eighty twenty rule uh, when it comes to the usage of partners uh, of their interaction with Bol.com. And eighty uh, percent of the sellers use the seller dashboard, um, and the twenty percent use the the retailer API. But um, yeah, when it comes to the number of orders that is being processed, it's the other way around. So eighty percent is uh, is via the API, and twenty percent is uh, is via the dashboard. And if you imagine that, uh, yeah, over 50% of the um, goods being bought at bot.com are goods from our uh, partners, yeah, it, it really shows the importance. And I'm I'm really curious right now uh, if these numbers still apply. Uh, but even more curious, yeah, what does it mean uh, for our tech teams to work, um, yeah, to, to be working on this API? So our guest of this show knows everything about it. So Peter Paul, time to introduce them. Yeah, and uh, today we have. Uh friends of the show, so recurring guests, we were the, in the podcast uh, before, not just not together, so we brought them together, but they work together for every day, so yeah, they know each other. Okay, so we have uh, Maarten Roosendaal, he's a business architect, product owner for our retailer API, and we have Jarno Walkmoed, he's one of the owners at Source Labs, and he's a software engineer with a strong focus on partner APIs here at Bol.com. And he's also the host of the Source Lab uh, podcast, because they have a podcast themselves uh, as well. So yeah, this, to get to know you uh, a little, guys, um, how did you get involved with the uh, Retailer API, Maarten? Um, yeah, so I've been working at Bold.com for almost 11 years now. Um, I worked as an IT architect for a bit over 10 years. And last year, I transferred from an IT architect to this uh, role as a business architect and product owner. And in the last few years, as my as, as an IT architect, I started to get to into the world of, of APIs. Um, and I was also part of, uh, of Team SAPI at that moment as, as their house architect, as, as we called it then. Um, and it, yeah, it got me really fascinated uh, as to what APIs actually are, right? I was a software engineer, a Java engineer in my, in my old days. Um, and uh, yeah, you always build APIs, right? You build software components that need to talk to each other through an API. But um, I, I really learned the past few years that APIs are yeah, sort of the, the heart and soul of an ecosystem. 
So it's not a technical thing anymore. Technical is more of a secondary importance, but it's more of the, the concept behind APIs uh, that, that really got me going, especially that now that we're trying to move towards a platform. And you mentioned that we, I, I don't think we are a platform yet. I think we are a marketplace with, uh, or a scalable marketplace, but I don't think we are a platform yet. And that's mainly because we don't have APIs in our DNA yet. Uh, we're getting there, we're getting there slowly, and we're doing lots of stuff to make that happen, but we are not there yet, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, that, that's it for me. Maybe uh, Jarno, you can uh, share your thoughts. Yeah, for, for me, it's, uh, I think, a little bit similar. So I was already uh, involved in the API since I joined uh, Bold.com, and I think it's uh, roughly seven, eight years ago. I was part of the the, the, the teams that were managing uh, the, the seller dashboard, so the, the, the graphical user interface. Uh, and at that point, that was our main focus. And we were also doing the API, but it was more of an aside. Uh, it was something we did also, uh, mainly because the landscape allowed us to use uh, different services to, to provide that functionality, but it was not really a serious concern at that time yet. Uh, and something we identified as a team uh, over the years is that we saw, okay, so the, the usage is increasing. Um, we see that there are more and more partners that are interested in selling uh, their goods uh, through uh, Bob.com. Uh, so we, we were thinking about uh, professionalizing that channel, making sure that uh, those APIs were good enough for them to really use uh, and start building their businesses on. So what you would see is that uh, the smaller parties were able to do anything they wanted to do with the seller dashboard. But uh, as, the, as the partners grew, as, as the volumes grew, uh, then the seller dashboard was yeah, not as ideal for them, usually because they have their own systems as well. So having uh, a ways to connect their own systems to our ecosystem, uh, yeah, that, that's just uh, vastly superior than having to use uh, applications that we provide, how good they, uh, they are. That doesn't really matter then. So, so for us as a team, we uh, started pitching internally that we wanted to take that uh, API to the next level, to 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 professionalize it, uh, to make it a, a key concern, uh, and to have dedicated attention for it. Um, so, in a couple of years ago, we started on that journey uh, where we uh, started redesigning the API. We took ownership of all the different API systems that were available in the landscape, because some of them were distributed uh, across teams. So we took ownership of all of them to make sure that they would land in a single space. Uh, and and yeah, our main priority was guarding uh, the functionality, making sure that it was exposed in a consistent way, uh, that naming uh, concepts, uh, way of, of, of operating the API would just be consistent uh, so that any user who would connect to it uh, regardless of which bit of functionality, functionality they would use, they would be able to easily connect to it because it's, it's yeah, self-explanatory almost. Um, so yeah, we, we embarked on that journey and uh, at, at some point Martin joined us as an architect, of course, and uh, later he became more closely involved. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been working in that setup with a, with a dedicated team uh, for, for uh, yeah, quite some time already. And uh, I think we've uh, we made great steps uh, like Marta said, we're not there yet, but there's always room for improvement. There's always room yeah. for ambition, which is good. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think uh, we've come a long way and we still have so much uh, that we want to achieve. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good place yeah. to be in. Yeah, and I also think it's it's really good to mention that our work is paying off in the sense that we get lots of compliments from external parties and, and especially from larger integrators. So for those who don't know, integrators are companies that sit between retailers and us. So they provide the, the integration between 
not our, only our platform, but also the platform of Amazon and other platforms. But uh, we, we got lot, loads of compliments about our developer experience, about the developer portal, that it, it's clear that it does what it does and it, it's getting more stable. And lots of, lots of those parties connect to lots of other marketplaces. And so they have lots of um, things to compare to and that they tell us that we are sort of in the top top level yeah that gives us uh, yeah that, that makes us a bit a, a proud I, I guess it's cool to hear but it's also a notion we'll that we're on the right way yeah. cool to hear hey uh guys before we dive into this journey uh, one <laughs> moment uh, to promote the source labs uh, podcast uh, Jarno, take it away <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, I'm one of the, the co-founders of Source Labs, which is a, like an IT uh, outsourcing company. So we uh, we do a lot of work uh, also for Bob.com, but also, also for different clients. And from that perspective, we uh, we have a lot of experience. So we decided to do something similar to what Bob.com is doing to promote those uh, through a podcast. Uh, during uh, the Corona time, we, we we've been uh, uh, slacking off a little bit, but we are have a, we have concrete plans to 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 revamp it again. Uh, so so definitely if you're interested to be hearing uh, uh, things about software engineering similar to what Bol.com uh, is doing of course in their podcast but we, we also have different insights uh, that might be interesting as well so uh, be sure to give it a listen if you have the time and energy for it. When, when can we join yours? Yeah, so we should make sure that we uh, we arrange that at some point. Uh, we're looking into adding guests because uh, now it's been more internally focused, but uh, that's definitely something we are looking into. Uh, so hopefully somewhere in the near future, we'll uh, definitely send uh, send you a message for that. We will uh, we will share the link to your podcast in uh, in the show notes as well of this one. So uh, right. take awesome. a look at it. Yeah. All right, yeah, and then let's talk about the journey. Petr yeah, so, already here. Yeah, Jarno <laughs> shared already a little eh, about, about his journey. Yeah. And at, at one point in time, he mentioned um, yeah, we, we needed to professionalize it. And that for me is always like, like a trigger word because professionalize in general is like a container term. So, yeah. and, and that gets me really curious. Okay, what steps did you take? What topics, aspects did you change to, to get a real good first Let's say a real retailer API. What what did what did you do? Yeah, one of the first first things you should do, I think, is is, is look at what you are offering and and to make sure that it still uh, meets the demands of your your user base. Um, and uh, if if I look back uh, on on how we started this API, I think it was more internally driven. Uh, so we had uh, information available. We exposed it through the seller dashboard, for instance. Uh, and we decided, uh, why not make it available in an API form as well? And and uh, there was no real vision on how uh, yeah, how that, that information would work together, how it would actually benefit our users. So uh, what we really wanted to do is make sure that we figure out uh, what kind of functionality would be really uh, useful for our uh, retailers, what they would really need to be able to properly integrate with us. Uh, and then focus on making uh, that functionality and making it better. Uh, so, so that's yeah. In the sense, it, it's it is a blanket word, uh, professionalization. But uh, the the main concept of it for us was to to take something we already have and to see if it still meets the needs and if we can make it better uh, user experience wise. Can you, can you make it more concrete, uh, Jarno? What information did we offer first, and what information did you find out? Uh, what functionality did we need to you uh, to offer? Uh, yeah, well, one of the things that you would see is that, that uh, so some key functionality, uh, new functionality, new features would find their way into the seller dashboards before they would find their way into the API. 
So one of the, the, the uh, ideas on the outset was to make sure that we would at least be uh, roughly at the same time releasing that functionality, but at least make it available in both applications where it makes sense. Uh, so that, that would be one thing. Uh, uh, so also some of the APIs that we would have uh, would be uh, supporting uh, no new features uh, while STD, the seller dashboard would uh, uh, support those. So, so these things I'm thinking about, but there was also another issue that we had and that was more of a developer experience thing where uh, two different teams were managing the application. So the, 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 the APIs themselves, they would look like one API from the outside world, uh, but they would behave differently once you connected to them. So for instance, uh, one part of the API would support both JSON and uh, XML uh, messages, while uh, the other half wouldn't. And that's really difficult to explain to developers uh, or even uh, uh, end users uh, why that difference is there. Because uh, if for them, it seems it should be just a general experience, right? So it, it should all behave the same. Error messages should come back the same. Um, uh, message formats should be the same across the API and there should be just standardization there. And because that the distribution of, of ownership was there, uh, yeah, we, we, we saw that there was an issue in, in, in uh, creating consensus on how to do that, how to, how to provide the proper API. So, so one of the things we started doing as well was, okay, we need to harmonize the way we do this. Uh, and one way uh, is to take ownership of that API and just start working from there. So uh, first thing we did, we took ownership of the separate elements of the API. We made one API out of them and we started just uh, uh, churning out a few standards uh, that we thought were sensible. So the way to deal with versioning, the way to deal with uh, message models, uh, how to provide error messages. Uh, and, and we uh, implemented that across the board uh, to, to have a high level of predictability uh, across the API. I think that was one of the larger steps that we wanted to take uh, before actually focusing on functionality. Now, another thing to, to add in terms of professionalization was uh, the fact that we had uh, our own security implementation. So. When you would call the API, you would provide a signature for uh, uh, yeah, for the call you were doing. Uh, that was a bit of a proprietary way of doing things. Um, and what you saw is that a lot of retailers and, and developers were struggling with properly implementing that. So there was a lot of support required to make this happen. Now, time has marched on uh, and there's a lot of uh, alternatives available such as OAuth. Uh, so we said uh, we should really start embracing industry standard uh, authentication mechanisms to make it easier for people to implement them uh, because they are pretty uh, pretty well documented uh, and, and uh, there are a lot of frameworks that support them. Uh, so to make it a lot uh, uh, easier for people to start using the API. And for us, uh, having a standards compliant uh, auth authorization authentication mechanism uh, is also uh, yeah, definitely a benefit to have. So th these are the, a couple of things that we decided to invest our time on and that we have uh, rolled out uh, over the time to, to yeah, take the API to, to, uh, to a next level. So if I try to summarize it, uh, you're, you're mentioning functionality technical aspects and, and security aspect. Uh, and you first started with the, the technical aspects to bring that on par with what you had in mind to uh, that, that it should be with uh, together with uh, for this for the retailers. And then uh, you you start off with um, the functionalities and, uh, and security. Yeah, right. It's quite yeah. a, in, in yeah, the summary. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think the so I think that the team did a great work at, at setting a certain standard and what our challenge has been also the past few years is 
trying to convince the internal organization to follow the standards that we try to implement. And that's been quite a, uh, quite a struggle. Um, as, as Jana said, we are, and as I've mentioned before, we are as a company really user interface oriented. We know the web shop, we know the, the apps, we know our seller dashboard, but talking in APIs is really not sexy. And, and it's really difficult to, to visualize while, while your API is also a certain user interface. Uh, but it's the user interface that other people use to build their systems. And that mindset is, it's slowly moving, but it's been a real struggle to get people to think our way, to take the same level of, uh, of, of quality, the same level of consistency. And that, that's why you see a lot of uh, translation and mapping within our component. We try to fix all the internal stuff for the outside world, so the outside world isn't bothered with, with the mess that we sometimes have inside. Can you, can you uh, give an example uh, uh, in, in terms of functionality? Yeah, so what, what functionality are we offering with the API? And, uh, and uh, yeah, what do we need to do to, to, to make that work internally? Who, where do we start? Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a bit of a joke. No, uh, I think, um, um, for example, I think for the orders we, um, yeah, that's, that's a bit difficult to explain, but what we did is um, uh, we aggregated order information with uh, invoicing information or billing information. And that's something that as an API, you would want the, 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 the ownership of that functionality to be completely accessible from, from the inside the organization. You have one internal product API, which gives you all that information, but, but because there was no clear ownership of who is would be responsible for combining that information, we had to do that, that aggregation ourselves. Uh, so that, uh, that that's one thing, but we also do a lot of translations between uh, Aon to product ID or, uh, um, or sort of an external rep or the reference that we have for shipping to, to an internal reference, uh, but just mapping field names um, that, that we internally named a certain way because it was there, but it wasn't consistent when you looked at it from a broader perspective. So all kinds of that kind of things that uh, we encountered. Uh, and I think we, when we try to talk to teams who are building new, new things, we always try to tell them, look, these are our conventions, please follow them. Um, and, all, and we try to, to keep the mapping as little as possible. So we preferably would not do any mapping, but in practice, you always see that, uh, that there's, that there's always a, sometimes even a need for a mapping because internally a field might be more logical because internally we understand it, a global ID, for example, but the outside world doesn't know the global ID. The outside world knows only aeons. Um, so sometimes it even makes sense, but it, right now we do too much of that, um, yeah, because yeah, we can't always get teams to follow the standard that we have. Yeah, I think this is an important point because uh, uh, the main thing we're trying to do is to abstract away some of the uh, internal details, I guess, uh, from a landscape. Because you have to understand that uh, Bob.com has uh, uh, over 100 teams uh, by now working on different sets of functionality. A lot of it. Uh, uh, at least in some way, see, it touches the, the the retailer API, and it's not always something that's a key concern for those teams to be aware of the fact that there is a, a retailer on the other end. Sometimes the uh, systems are modeled in a certain way to make it efficient for that application, 
but that doesn't mean that it immediately also makes it uh, efficient or usable for an API. And like Martin uh, said, uh, one of the things we want to make sure that uh, for retailers that work on the API, the, the key thing that identifies the product for them is the, the Aon. Now, internally, we have a different way of dealing with the Aon because we have certain Aons that are combined to uh, like a sort of a super Aon. Uh, so so uh, one that, that brings similar products that might have different Aons together to one uh, product number in the web shop. That's how you would find that, that, that article. So when you create an offer through the API, it could be that you provide it with a certain Aon and it would be translated to the one that would work in the web shop. And that, that solves the problem for us. But when uh, retailers would then retrieve that offer through the API again, they would get a different Aon back. So they could not link it to the original product that they used to create it. So these are the kind of things that, that, that are a bit quirky and that we have to solve in the API to make sure that people can still use the API in the proper way. Uh, and I think this is something that uh, it's it's difficult to to prevent, right? I don't think it's something that that organization does badly or something. Uh, but these are concerns that we need to instill in the DNA of an uh, of an organization to make sure that they're at least aware of it and that we can start a conversation on okay, how are we going to solve these problems? A retailer has a certain context that they are in, and how can we make uh, functionality that we're providing work in that context without forcing them to uh, uh, have to deal with a lot of internal uh, concepts that might not be of interest to them. Yeah. And, so and in this this uh, example Martin gave, he said, okay, we combined order and billing uh, information. Uh, uh, if I ask a blunt question like, yeah, you, we can also offer the uh, uh, an order API within the seller API and then billing API. So and let the retailer do it themselves. But but mm. what I learned from your story is that yeah, it, then they should know the internal logic to to map those, and that's that's almost impossible. So we need to offer that in in combination. Is that correct? Uh yeah, exactly. So, so you need to be uh, very clear on how to 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 put these words together. So they, they need to know a little bit on how our data is structured. So it could be a way to solve things. Uh, but if you look at an order, um, if you were say, okay, we will we'll make a divide at at uh, we'll divide the data that we return uh, uh, based on where it's coming from. So if it's from coming from a different internal surface, then then you'll have to do a separate call to get it. Uh, then for a single order, I think you would be up to seven, eight, maybe nine calls to get all the information. And what you see is that if, if it comes to an order, when a retailer needs to fulfill an order, there's a certain set of information that's just a baseline requirement to be able to do your job. Uh, so we can can have an opinionated model that just provides that information in a convenient way. So it, it becomes actionable immediately for a retailer. And that's, that's something that we've been looking yeah. at a lot of... Uh, 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 yeah, a lot over the time. Uh, some retailers might not need all the information that we provide, uh, but in general, when you get an order, that billing information is of importance because in some cases, uh, people need to make a, a VAT invoice. And that's why we need to provide it at that, that, that stage in the process uh, so that they can store that information and make sure that they can provide the VAT invoice whenever it's necessary for business uh, buyers. Um, yeah, so we used to have an issue where it was not always provided and that causes issues for our retailers. So that's why we decided to make it part of the model, make sure it's always available. Uh, and that's how the model has grown over time. So we can fulfill these use cases for retailers whenever they would need them uh, and to, to be able to do so in a, yeah, as convenient as possible manner. Yeah, I think Jadon makes a, makes a really good point. And I think one of the, the, the things that I've seen in the past time is that one of the most important aspects of 
designing a good API is understanding how consumers work. And I don't think we spent enough time on that, uh, on really understanding that. And, and not so much from, from the Team SAPI perspective, but from the business perspective. I don't think we yeah. always understand how partners exactly work. And you can design a beautiful API that uh, that is consistent, etc., but still sucks from a consumer perspective because it just doesn't fit that process. So that's where you need to start. How does a consumer work? How does that process work? And start designing your API from there. And now it's it sometimes feel we're always uh, trying to yeah, always a bit behind, uh, um, bit behind what we need to do. Um, so that's what that's also one of the bigger challenges. So for our team is when do we at what point can we help the 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 business team define the api and understand how consumers work and how do we how do we manage that api design process and we, we've said before that when the api design is finished we are really quick with implementation because yeah that's simply implementation but it's the whole process that 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 goes uh, before that that is the most challenging and the most difficult and still is yeah is up up to this date is still a struggle sometimes and i, I think that there are multiple so so at one side you're you're uh, mapping for technical things that we did and at some point you're mapping for organizational things that we did uh, yeah. and then again for uh, the internal versus external uh, objective and i think that these are the, yeah. the three levels that the, that the, the that there are a lot of issues and that you all yeah. have to to solve and that also there, there are probably different solutions for all these types of uh, problems and it's yeah yeah especially of course the the translation the transition to a product organization uh, i've been there from from the yeah. start and the original goal was to make our landscape more simpler and have less dependencies but what we see now in that transition that we as a team get more dependencies uh, for example is a, a product content when we now have an API which partners can use to deliver content. And that's an internal product API um, through which you also get feedback on what you just uploaded. Is my feedback complete and what went wrong? Now, because of the, the product organization, um, there was a decision made that says, okay, but feedback about product, about content is now in a different product, which also means a different product API. So from a consumer logical perspective, I, I yeah, sort of, like I said, I've, I've mentioned this, this analogy before, I order at McDonald's, but I have to get my hamburger, uh, that which I ordered at, at uh, Burger King or something, right? It's, it's really a bit difficult. Um, and I understand that sometimes it's, it's about making choices, but we see that we get more dependencies before we get less because some APIs and some functionality needs to transition from, from one product to another product, uh, to uh, to keep certain uh, to keep a certain matter of consistency. But so <laughs> the the yeah, the original idea behind the, the the transition to product organization, we don't see that yet. I mean, it, it'll maybe come in the end, but for us, in the coming time, it'll be more difficult because we get more dependencies and more teams to uh, to manage instead of less. And is it for you? Eh? So if I uh, before the show, uh, show we were talking about cleaning in in your house eh, and doing administration yeah. stuff, and when I do that, 
Uh, uh, it's kind of an organized mess, but then it gets really a mess that I'm organizing, which is a way larger mess. And then in the end, yeah. it's it's kind of clean. Is it like a process like that, or I hope so. Are, is it just <laughs> entropy? No, I, I I'm not sure because when we started with the product transition, it was more about how do you, from a process perspective and from a logical perspective, bundle functionality, but then. An organizational aspect got not in the way, but got a lot of uh, traction, and and products are more uh, are also formed based around organization instead of just functionality. Uh, and sometimes it's just not clear where a functionality should actually lie. So it's 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 that whole transition that makes it currently difficult. And I think in the end we will get there, but for us right now <laughs> it's it's a bit painful. I can imagine, and I also can imagine that that products are designed from with from inside of the project and not from looking outside what's needed on the product sometimes. And especially when you need multiple products to get a certain thing as a customer or a partner or whatever. Yep. And I can imagine that in cases like that, and we yep. could really bump uh, bump into. Yeah, no. yeah, you have the, the this discussion right now that you have products, but products are not good enough for what we need so you get a level on top of products which sort of do the aggregation and, and orchestration sort of a consumer journey products and we call those but yeah there's the, there's the the my fear is that those consumer experience products will get so big that you get new monoliths but it's 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 a difficult thing and it's really <laughs> interesting to see how that will 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 uh, form over time but uh, yeah, it's not getting easy right now. No, but I think one of the things to consider is that when you when you shift an organization as, as large as uh, Bol.com, um, I think it starts uh, to become a little bit unclear more than it becomes clear at, at, at the beginning. Because I think there's a lot of things that, that are being solved, but a lot of things that are not, not really clear. So uh, in my capacity as being the, the tech lead of the API, uh, also I was concerned a little bit with the architecture. Uh, over time, we set up a certain environment for ourselves that uh, would provide a bit of a convenience for us as, a, as a, an API team. Uh, and we, what we also wanted to do uh, is, is make sure that we would have uh, functionality that could be shared between the different channels that we provide for our retailers. So if you as a retailer would look at your order through the seller dashboard, for instance, the information provided should not differ from uh, getting the same order through the API. And in order to do that, we set up a certain uh, net of aggregation services, basically, that, that would uh, aggregate information and would provide it to both the different channels. Uh, this is a setup that worked well for us uh, for quite a bit of time. And what you see now is that the whole product organization set up a few uh, uh, rules of engagement, uh, so to say. So a way of integrating with, with these products. And that actually does away with that whole approach that we have. So right now we're coming from a, situa a situation where we are in control for, to some extent. Uh, and we might have to let that go. Uh, uh, for something that would benefit the organization as a whole, but we don't have really a solution for uh, the gap that's caused by it. Um, and that's that's what we're continuously working on. Because uh, so for me, one of the main priorities as an API uh, uh, developer is that we should not expose any of these details to the outside world. So for us, the retailer should not be aware that this has happened. So internally, we want to organize things better so it works for us. Uh, and the retailer should not uh, uh, have any negative side effects due to that. 
Um, so, so sometimes it's also okay to take a little bit of the pain of that transition uh, uh, to make our internal world better and to, to keep everything okay for the retailer. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the biggest struggle we have right now is that we are just looking at how we can make sure that this whole transition for bold.com also starts working for us uh, as an API team. Uh, and, and what you see is that it's just a different perspective because we are far more outside oriented, outside focused. Uh, yeah, it's a different perspective if you build a service that's more internally focused, right? So if it's supportive of the, the, the general business that uh, Bolt.com is doing. And, and yeah, we're, we're just uh, st still in a, a lot of discussions on how we can make it work for everybody. Uh, uh, so there's still movement, uh, but it's, it's, sometimes, uh, it's sometimes an uphill battle. Yeah, so it's good to realize that hey, you're describing the journey you're in with your uh, retailer API. And, and uh, in, in parallel, uh, there's a journey going on with the product APIs. And so you have to adapt your own journey in, in this product API journey as well. And, and that's that's cool to hear that, uh, yeah. that it's that complexity. But I want to go back a bit also to what Martin shared about um, and looking at what the consumers really need. And, um, I think Peter Paul shared like 15,000 uh, retailers make use of the API. So how do you find out what consumers want and, and how do you uh, work with that? Yeah, we have several means. Uh, uh, partner cases are one thing. So more, more from a complaint perspective, like this isn't working or this is what we need. But we have uh, Nick Enthoven is a technical account manager and he, he uh, on a bi-weekly basis goes uh, by all the big integrators and to talk to them like what's going on, uh, what do you need, how can we help you? And we get a lot of feedback from that, that that's also a perspective. Um, and we sometimes, and, and, uh, in terms of when we, when we know we want to fix a certain thing, we try to invite partners uh, uh, to think along. So we interview them, like for example, we did the product content, but we also did with advertising, like uh, how does this work for you? What do you really need and, and what do you want to solve? Um, so, so we have multiple uh, multiple inputs, um, um, but I think the real struggle, it's not really a struggle, is sort of consolidating all those, uh, all that input and getting that to the products. And we, we try to do that and we use the our innovation cycle and the, the MLO uh, uh, innovation cycle for that. Uh, but you sometimes see that what partners want is not always uh, aligned with uh, what <laughs> with our own internal goals. And so we try to push really hard on on trying to get things fixed for partners, which is working better uh, all the time. But you see that um, yeah, I don't want to mention the example, but there's one feature that we did a pilot for. We had to discontinue the pilot because it wasn't what we thought it would be. But it was one of the features that a lot of partners and, and account managers said, this is great, we need this. Um, but now you see, okay, but when is the next iteration? Yeah, maybe uh, end of this year, beginning of next year. And then I say, yeah, that's not really helping partners. And, and understand why, but I, I sometimes understand not all, yeah, sometimes just don't understand it. If it's really that important for partners, then let's, let's do it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a tricky uh, tricky balance because uh, um, we we generally try to listen to our partners as much as possible, but uh, there's always a problem that not every retailer is created equal. 
So uh, while somebody may be very enthusiastic uh, about selling certain articles uh, from from uh, uh, from their attic, uh, for instance, which is uh, very valuable, of course, uh, but there are also large electronics providers that that uh, do business with us as well, and they just have typically different demands. Uh, and, and balancing that out, uh, making sure the functionality tr tries to target uh, all, all different sizes of retailer, uh, yeah, that, that's that's already a tricky thing. And and what Martin alluded to as well is that there are certain uh, topics, uh, certain functionalities that would be really helpful for retailers. They would really like that, but some we just might not be able to offer because of maybe legal implications or. Uh, 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 because that information is just not available, or you name it. So, so it's it's always a a balancing act. Uh, I think uh, figuring out what functionality we can provide to our retailers, but we do our uh, our best to make sure that we uh, provide uh, within the means that are available to us the, the 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 absolute best of what we can provide. Yeah, yeah. You see, it, I, I do see a, a transition, uh, the internal transition that people are are being more consumer focused, more partner focused, and really trying to uh, to help the partners, uh, especially in, in the offer uh, logistics part, uh, content part. They're really trying to help, uh, but yeah, it's it's a matter of choosing your choosing your battles and trying to uh, uh, do the best that they can. So uh, yeah. Maybe maybe it's good to um, to talk a bit on uh, when you talked about the pilot. I, I realized uh, we had some other questions about okay, uh, how do you deal with your um, you want to focus on functionality, new functionality, so you you want to to change and move forward. But yeah, you have a, a base of consumers that that mm -hmm. make use of the the current functionality on a daily basis. Yeah. So how do, how do you deal with that? Yeah, this is uh, this is always a bit of a tricky, tricky subject because what you see is that uh, um, yeah, to start out, one of the things that we saw in an organization uh, such as Bol.com, uh, there's a lot of autonomy, so teams are able to to be free in a bit of uh, entrepreneurial fashion to organize their own services, uh, so they could decide to to upgrade certain functionality. Um, and but but one of the things that they have to realize is that if there's an API connection to their functionality, that they have to have some kind of backwards compatibility, because again, uh, not all retailers are uh, created equal. What we saw on the retail API is that if you are a user that's using the API, but you don't have a fixed IT budget, so you could be like a toy store, you have budget for doing a sales through Bol.com, but you don't have an IT uh, staff on retainer to to uh, uh, upgrade your API whenever we feel like rolling out a new version. Yeah, we saw that internally uh, software development would go very fast. So new features would roll out quite quickly and sometimes they would just be backwards incompatible and then, okay, we, the outside world had to deal with that. So one of the things we started doing is put a little bit of the brakes on that to make sure that we uh, were able to at least uh, consistently support older versions of the API in a reliable manner, uh, uh, but at the same time still allow people to to move to a new version. So um, that, that's basically where the, the whole beta idea came from, is that we roll out certain functionalities in a beta fashion so we can also road test them a little bit. So it's it's like a, a, a way of rolling out functionality without uh, having people uh, yeah, officially use them in production, right? So we can still make a few changes, optimize things, uh, uh, provide uh, or, or deal with feedback that we might get. 
but at the same time, we will also want people to be uh, able to stay on an older version for at least a certain amount of time. So we don't force them to invest in their IT uh, 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 too often. Uh, because uh, we saw in the past that if we would force people to do so, yeah, that uh, it would cause all kinds of of of, uh, of oh, yeah, bad things for retailers. Um, so yeah, we we set that that thing up, and I think the main issue that we have sometimes is that the in internal teams, uh, because they are more distant from the retailers, and they don't feel that pain as much, that they sometimes forget about the fact that yeah, you cannot just uh, just delete a certain functionality you cannot just drop it because there might be people really relying on it so there should always be a path uh, towards a, a new upgraded functionality or if you're going to drop something you should give them ample time to at least deal with the fact that they're going to lose something uh, so that they can scale it down start using it less or not at all and, uh, and to, to organize that better and that's one of the things that we've set up as a team or that we've been busy on. I think that's mostly uh, uh, credit to Martin, who's been been uh, preaching the API knowledge uh, everywhere uh, to make sure that people are aware of that, that we, that we have to deal with users that might not be able to transition as fast. Uh, and I think uh, the, the setup that we have right now with those beta programs and uh, and being able to uh, still have that innovation combined with uh, that stability that, that is so important for a lot of retailers, I think we've uh, set something up that really works well for our, uh, this type of organization and, and uh, also fits our users. Uh, so that I think is, is actually quite an achievement, uh, which I am personally very happy about. Uh, of course, always room for improvement, but uh, yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that's actually quite cool. Okay, so yeah, that's, uh, what you just described is, is this uh, for the outside world. You uh, you started with versioning, um, and you have some uh, some uh, uh, rules applied for, for that, and and now you need to do the work inside to. Uh, uh, to make that connection and to uh, to keep these yeah. versions uh, up and running. Yeah, yeah so might, might be good too. So we have a, uh, uh, we created, I think last year, um, sort of a release cycle. Like we do a, uh, twice a year, we do a major release. And so that gives a certain cadence internally. So if you want to have something in a certain release, then you can hop on on the, band, the, the train wagon and then you get, get released. But it's also about predictability for the outside world that you have two major releases a year. You can skip one, so you don't need to do the, uh, the migration twice, but only once a year. But then we are predictable. That we always say 1st of April and 1st of October, plan your resources around it. We try to uh, try to uh, give notes in advance what's going to be in there and if it's interesting for you. But that's one of the things that we're trying to see uh, how that works. And we got. Uh, on the one hand, some complaints because they say, yeah, why do you do twice a year such a major release? But now we also hear is because we do a lot of effort on the migration guides, that the migration from one version to the next is really, yes, one, one actually said it's, it did it within uh, 24 hours uh, to a new version because we don't change all the stuff all the time. We just change certain things. Uh, but that, that's about being predictable uh, to, the, uh, to the outside world. Yeah, so and that ease of, of, of migration is also due to uh, having uh, good conventions because uh, yeah. uh, if you're very stable in that sense, it, it means that they don't have to change their whole approach to using your API for every release. Uh, so there's a lot of value in that. 
Uh, but but to, to add to Marta, it's, it's more of an opt-in fashion, right? So if you're a retailer and there's new functionality being released in a major release uh, that's maybe not as important to you, then you can skip out on it. And uh, in the past, it would be that we just roll out a new version. Uh, the old one would be deprecated at some point, and that means that you actually were forced to migrate to a new version, even if it doesn't have any value. Uh, but because there's always balance, uh, at some point we need to also say goodbye to legacy uh, stuff that's in that API. So we cannot hold on to everything forever. Um, so that's why we said, okay, we, we should give people uh, an ample amount of time to be, be able to migrate. So I think uh, right now we say we're at the one and a half year. Uh, so once you adopt a certain API, one and a half years later, we will get rid of it. It will, it will disappear. So within that chunk of time, you should migrate at least uh, uh, to uh, one of the newer versions uh, to be able to keep up. And I think that's that's a bit of a different perspective than having to migrate every half year or exactly, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, or whenever uh, we roll out a new version. So that predictability, I think, adds value. Uh, and it's, it's just a matter of yeah, properly explaining it to retailers that they really don't have to migrate uh, uh, unless uh, the, the version will disappear in a certain amount of time, and then, then, then the time has come. And that gives us room as Bob.com to get rid of some uh, legacy stuff that we uh, uh, yeah, are not uh, capable of maintaining anymore. Yeah, and working in this way was only possible uh, because of the, uh, the things you said in the beginning of this uh, journey. Yeah, you started with the technical uh, uh, yeah, set up uh, and make that uh, in, in a consistent way. So that was the prerequisite for working in this way. So I like the the circle being round now. Huh? Yeah, so it's really cool to hear. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, yeah, Paul, the famous question. Do you have questions left before we go to the closing round? Yeah, what I really liked, uh, not not a question, but a bit like a, like an overview. So so a lot of things are, are about a, a balancing act uh, that I think you really have to be strong in uh, in in creating this API. And what I really also liked is that, uh, yeah, well, at some points, uh, yeah, a, a, a podcast about the API could be really a technical one. Well, we uh, touch on some really organizational uh, and business things uh, in, this, in this podcast that, uh, that uh, a lot of the business uh, podcasts don't even touch upon. Eh? I mean, the, the, the platform versus scalable marketplace but also about the, 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 the things where we touch about our product organization and the changes there. I really loved, uh, loved that. And I just wanted to make that as a kind of a conclusion or a remark uh, on this podcast. But then from your side, uh, Marta and Jarno, what's your most important takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, so have the consumer in mind. Understand, really understand the consumer before you start building or thinking about an API. If you don't understand the consumer, you will you will not end up with the API that you really need. So that would be my, and, and maybe a second one is what I've also learned is we can churn out a new feature on a daily basis, but our 14,000 external consumers, almost 15,000 external consumers will never adopt all those features just as fast, right? Because it takes time, it takes money, we sometimes see features being brought live and then half a year yet later, we have the first consumer. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't work simply that way. Um, that's also uh, what I've really learned. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me, it's basically the same. So uh, probably boring, but uh, it's it's uh, a focus on your on your on your end user. I think that's that's one of the main things. Your API exists by the grace of having people using it. So it's it's a service and it's named a service for a reason. 
Um, and uh, if, if you're not aware of your, your, your user base, your retailer base, uh, in our case, uh, what they need and, and provide functionality that matches those needs, then, then I think you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, that said, um, it also means that you should sometimes uh, be fearless because you could also have a, an approach where you say, I'm going to listen to what people want and I'm going to give them anything they ask for. Uh, that's not feasible, it's not realistic. Uh, so over the years, we have made certain changes through the API that have met a little bit with resistance. So we made uh, our offer uh, APIs, for instance, uh, a bit more event-based. Uh, and the adoption was slow because people uh, yeah, maybe not understood it correctly. So that's, that's one thing that's on us, that we did not document or explain it properly. Uh, but on the outset, people were resistant to use it. Uh, and it took some time to convince people, okay, there's, there's an idea behind it. There's a reason why we're doing it. And and this is how it works. And this is the benefit in the end for you. And now, now you see that uh, if we touch back on those those subjects that uh, uh, retailers that we are in regular contact with, they, they say, okay, now we understand. So sometimes, even though there was a lot of pushback, uh, you should stand your ground uh, in order to innovate and, and to, to bring something new that adds value. Uh, that doesn't mean that you should ignore feedback, of course, uh, but you should also give it a chance a little bit. And I think that that's, those are the most important takeaways. It's it's uh, it's easy to uh, to lose sight uh, of of uh, the the external parties if you focus primarily internally, but the same applies the other way around. You should have a proper balance uh, between okay, what can we as Wolpetcom provide? What do we need to provide? What what will help us do business better? Uh, and in the end, if the retailer also uh, uh, benefits, then that's a win-win. Mm -hmm. Trying to get to those win-wins is, uh, is uh, I think, the biggest challenge, but also the most fun. Yeah, yeah I think so. One one final remark for me. So <laughs> we're talking about the retail API right now, but our vision is to have a Bob.com API, right? A Bob.com API with features with which you can do anything. So the open API that we have now is, in my my opinion, almost deprecated. We want to have sort want to have one consistent developer platform with all the functionality that external users need to build their functionality. Um, so we're also looking at evolving the retailer API into the Bob.com API in a broader sense. And that's, uh, that's I think, the next step that we'll, we'll take the next uh, year or year and a half. Uh, but all the things that Diano just mentioned is yeah, sort of the basis for that. It's uh, okay, cool to hear. It's it's new for me, <laughs> so uh, and it again it triggers a lot of questions. So uh, <laughs> next time, so we, we we should make a mental note for that page call to uh, to follow up on Definitely. that one. Definitely. Um, yeah, and and I really liked uh, uh, Mart shared uh, two uh, nice things in the beginning. Uh, the APIs are the heart and soul of the ecosystem, and and the one page Paul already said uh, uh, we aren't a platform yet because we don't have APIs in our DNA. So uh, it's cool to to hear the background of that in, in, in this story you, uh, you shared with us. So thanks for thanks for that. Thanks for your time. And uh, I hope to see you next thanks time. Yeah, sure. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab, and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!